told you that God has really uh, blessed our church, and I'm thankful for what God's done. And uh, we uh, this today was our third weekend at the new campus. Amen. And I want to tell you, like Pastor said, uh, I have never bought a piece of property I could afford. I've never been graced to wait until the ministry got to a certain level than acquire it. It's always been by faith. And uh, God has never let me down. God has never failed. And this is the most amazing, largest thing we've ever done in our life. And I just ask that you pray for us because God is expanding us, which means he's expanding you. Uh, whatever we own, you own. Whatever God does in real life, he does for me. Because we're all connected. And I'm very thankful for the provision and the expansion that God has given us. Last year made me believe God can do anything. How many of y'all believe that? I mean, for real now. I'm not talking about playing. No, I'm talking about he can do anything. And I, I saw him insert his hand in this situation and, 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 and work it out. So, so don't ever feel bad when people are laughing at you. Don't ever feel bad when people are looking at you saying it'll never happen. Don't you ever let, don't ever let that stop you. Because if, if God says he's going to do it, some of y'all know a little Bible, he's not a man that he should lie. If God said he's going to do it, heaven and earth will pass away before one word fails. So if God says, I'm going to heal you, then you can go and start acting healed. It's just a matter of time. You don't have to wait for the manifestation. If God said it, you go ahead and you start moving in it. And, and, and that's what's about to happen for real life. So Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to share from there, and I'm not going to be long, but I want to share this concept that God has given me. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6. And let me just go on and tell you this. I'm going to be talking about one word today. And they got it back there, and I want them to put it up for me. I'm going to be talking about one word. Some of you missing what I'm saying. That's all I came to talk about. If you can get this in your spirit, you can get ready to expand. One word. Everybody say it together. I need, I need y'all to say that word like you just believe that that word is going to release something in this house over the next two or three years and that you understand the power in that. Everybody just say it with me real loud, together, together. together. Say that to your neighbor, together. together. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you why. Because somebody in here going to win their battle over cancer together. I was talking to a lady on the phone yesterday, and her mother is taking radiation, and I was trying to minister to her. The doctors told her her mom should have been dead. And I said something, I never, I'd never said this to anybody before. And you know how it is when you've taken care of somebody, she's feeling bad, like she hadn't done enough, and she said, Pastor, if I could, I'll go in my mom's body, and I'll take the cancer for her. And I said, but you know, you can't do that. You're doing the part you can't do. 
And the Holy Spirit quickened me, and I said this to her. I said, do you know, I believe that your mom would have been dead if you weren't doing what you do. She said, well, what am I doing? I said, do you know that when medically nothing can happen, a hug can keep you alive? I'm, I'm preaching to somebody now. Do, do you know somebody holding your hand to keep you alive? Do you know somebody ministering to you saying, you're going to make it. Come on, we're going to wash your face. We're going to get you dressed. You're going to make it. That kind of stuff will keep you living. And if we ever learn this concept about together, we're going to see the power and glory of God. So the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 2 and 6 says, and hath raised us up how? Come on, you got it? And has raised us up how? Together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Yes, that together means together with Christ, but it also means together as a body. And, and notice that even the scripture says he didn't raise us up individually. He didn't raise just one family up. He didn't raise people from one income bracket up. But the Bible says even when God got ready to raise the body up, that he raised us up how? To, to, come on, say it. That's our thing. Together. And he made us where? To sit where? In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Which means when all of us get together and take our rightful place, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And I don't want to get into a long discourse on what that means, but sitting has to do with a position of authority and dominion. It has to do with not just dying or not just being crucified or not just being buried or not just being risen. But now I'm seated in a place of authority and in a place of dominion. So that one of the All right, I'm going to just make this work. So in Exodus 4 and verse 10, here's what happens. Then Moses said unto the Lord, but Lord, I am telling you, I am not a good speaker. I'm reading it from the easy to read version. I have never been able to speak well, and that hasn't changed since you started talking to me. I am still not a good speaker. In other words, Moses said, before I met you or after. No, y'all got to get it. I couldn't talk before the burning bush. <laughs> In other words, even your glory hadn't caused me to be able to talk better. For those of you that got the testimony, you got saved, and God just fixed and healed and delivered everything right in that altar, God bless you. Some of us still working on some stuff. Moses said, I was, before I met you, and I'm still, after I met you. He says, you know that I speak slowly 
and I don't use the best words. Final verse, verse 14, King James. The, ang the, anger, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God got mad at him. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite, thy brother? I know he can speak well. Some of you are getting the theme already. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. And, and before, just in case you miss it, God just lifted up the fact that a guy that can't talk is about to be closely connected to a guy that can speak well. And now a combination of weaknesses and strength are about to go out together. So instead of giving my power to either one of them just because you can speak well or just because you're the leader and anointed, I'm going to give it to the team. And together, you're about to break the enemy down. And a whole nation is about to be delivered. So I want to say, as I begin this morning, that God has been real, real good to real life. We're only here because God has kept us and he's blessed us to be here 16 years. And I heard your pastors talking about it. They talked about the journey, the voyage, the different facilities and where you guys have been and where you are now. And I think sometimes when we're a part of that process, we get familiar with it and we forget just how special it is. I want to emphasize and say to you that this church could have died at any one of those stops. And there are moments in this ministry I know that unless God chose to get involved, you would not have made it through what you made it through. One of our praises today is for some reason God has decided to get involved with real life. And he's decided to keep opening doors and to keep making things happen and to give you guys provision. And so you can continue to grow. This sanctuary is completely filled. He continues to send people and do new and exciting things. And we have to celebrate that because for some reasons, there are times when God just doesn't decide to get involved with things. I don't want you to think the real life and Pastor Taylor is not the only one that ever decided and dreamed on planning a church and being successful at it. And we don't know why six months later, 12 months later, 18 months later, something happens and it just doesn't work out. But in this situation, it did work out to suggest to us there's something not that Pastor Taylor had in mind, but God had in mind through him a divine initiative where God says, if you obey me and do it, I'll make sure that at every stop my blessing and my favor is there. And I'm telling you, 16 years we've been here, which means we ain't going nowhere now. Come on, where are my real life people at? If we were going to die, it would have happened in year one, two, or three. It couldn't happen after three because that was the resurrection. Five with grace, eight with a new beginning. This is double eight, 16. So if the enemy was going to stop this church, he should have done it a long time ago because we we here now. And we're going to continue to do what God has called us to do. But I want you to know that these 16 years are significant. And they are, it's also significant what God wants to do in the next phase of this ministry. And that is the message I came to talk to you about today. 
a message that God has something on the horizon for real life that can be missed by many people because it seems regular and it seems common, but to the keen eye, to someone as, as a type of Issachar, they would understand in this season of time that we're in now, God is dynamically doing something in the body of Christ, but pastor, don't miss this, he's not doing it for individuals. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but it's like something's happening to all the superstars in the body of Christ. It's almost like God is shifting things now, and he's not giving his power or his glory to a person. He's not raising up heroes and supermen anymore. He's causing us now to see that Jesus is the superman. He's the hero. The rest of us, he's causing us to get together, put our gifts together, put our talents together, put our visions together, put our dreams together, and work this thing out together. So a smart man would realize since God's not just giving his power to individuals, I need to be connected to a team. And it is through that team, it is through teamwork that we see a demonstration of the power of God. If you notice in the ministry of Jesus, you can never at one time finding Jesus calling one disciple out and giving him distinctive individual power. It is three, and then it's 12, and then it's another group, but it's always teams of people that the power is giving to because, number one, God is too much to download into any one of us. Secondly, God wants there to be accountability that not one of us can run off track. So if you really think about it, powerful Dynamic visionary people now are finding their groups and connecting with teams. And it is through these teams, real life, it is through this team that we experience expansion and vision and capacity and we claim new territory. We don't do it individually. Say it with me, expansion, vision, capacity, and territory. We, we, we get those things together. So the Apostle Paul is teaching the church at Ephesus about walking in the full dimension of what Christ has accomplished. He teaches them now what I want to teach you, position versus condition. He says to them, I don't want you to know, church of Ephesus, just what your condition is in Christ. I want you to understand your position in Christ, which means you and I, who've been placed in Christ by confession and belief, placed in him by baptism, by the Holy Spirit, occupying us, living in us. We've been born into this church. We are disciples. We are Christians. We are one with Christ, which means whatever he has done, we now receive freely. Can you say amen to that? Which means when Christ died, and because he died, I never have to die again. Come on now, I'm going to get to the good part, but I need to give you some good old-fashioned gospel for a minute. I'm going to try that again. He already died for me. So I ain't never got to die. The book says something like this. Oh, grave, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? He took the sting out of death and victory over the grave so I don't have to die. Let me help you for a moment. So when you go and stand before your professor with your test, your death test, the professor gives you an A plus without you ever taking the test. Why? Because he died for me. You'll get it in a minute. So in baptism, Pastor Leslie, 
I'm giving credit for him dying for me as if I died. And then in baptism, three days later, he's risen from the dead. So now I go back to the desk up front, and she gives me another A+, and she also says, as a matter of fact, you got resurrection credit too. Not that you got up, but he got up for you, so when he got up, you got up too. But that ain't all. Now the Bible says, after he walks the earth 40 days, many infallible proofs, he catches a cloud back to glory, he high-fives the Father, and then he sits down. Now, this, this messes people's theology up real bad because here is Jesus who takes a body, comes down here, dies, goes to hell, leads captivity captive, gives gifts to men, gets up from the dead, go back on earth, walks around 40 more days, talks like a normal man with a glorified body, then steps on the cloud, goes back to heaven, sits down, and says, I'll be back. So the Apostle Paul says, you are seated with him. In other words, you're talking about vision and expansion and capacity. You are seated with him. I hear you, but you're saying, but pastor, I'm going through that. I'm going through at my job. That's your condition. Your position is you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. What does that mean? It means everything is under his feet. Him sitting down is suggesting there is absolutely nothing else I ever need to do. Everything that I'll ever do has already been done. Did you notice in Genesis, God says on the sixth day, I'm about to rest the next day, I'm done. Did you notice on the cross, Jesus said what? It is finished, I'm done. Everything's already done. Technically, you've already expanded. You already have capacity. You're already blessed and enlarged. So now real life, We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to the professor one more time. Now I'm going to her desk, and I'm going to get another A for my position in life. I didn't work for it. Couldn't buy it. Didn't come from a good enough family, not educated enough for it, but because Christ said, when you got connected to me, when I said, you said, just like that. Y'all ain't helping me. So I'm seated with you together in heavenly places, which means real life, when, when we experience real spiritual unity, connectivity of coming together. It is the spirit of elevation. It is a spirit where God now begins to cause us to operate in this third dimension, not death, not burial, not resurrection, but in this dimension with Christ where we're seated together with him in heavenly places. So please understand that this year in this dimension, we've got to stay together. Grab your neighbor's hand again. Tell them we got to stay together. And, and I drove all the way over here real fast 
to help y'all today on your 16th anniversary release a shout that deals a death blow to division and confusion. You didn't hear what I said. You didn't hear what I said. I'm not talking about this in the church. I'm talking about in your marriage, in your family, at your job. I'm talking about an anointing that can be on you where confusion and division cannot thrive when you're around. I'm talking about a shout real life that we release that binds the spirit of confusion and division and releases an anointing of unity and teamwork this year. One more time, open your mouth and release that shout. Yes. 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 I believe in this. I declare in my household, we're going to be together. Come on, in the car, we're going to be together. Our vision's going to be together. I'm going to be glad to go home. The, 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 I can't ride three more times by the house before I stop. I want to come in the first time. We got to be together. Touch a few people, tell them we got to be together this year. We got to we gotta be together. Tell your fish, tell your dog, tell your bird, all of us, if you're going to live here. Because an anointing's release, a power is released when we're together. I heard Bishop Neil Ellis say this, and it really blessed my life. He said, if you're not working, to make somebody else's life better, you are wasting your life. I heard another one say, and I shared it with our church recently, if you want to be happy, get you off of your mind. You see, the goal of every member in this church is to release your gifts to make this body better, to make the person sitting next to you better. And I'm not talking about just you and yours. It's time for us to help each other's kids. It's time to help us. If there's somebody in here taking care of an ailing parent, it's time for us to help them do that. There's somebody here got a child that's struggling, it's time for us to help them with their child. Ain't no more my child, your child. We are all, we're real life. And all of us need to help each other. So you need to ask yourself this question. What are you doing for the team? On this 16th anniversary, what are you contributing to the lives of others? How are you putting yourself aside for the big picture of making real life better so we can do all that God has called us to do? I asked our church this morning, if we all want the same thing, won't we help each other? Yeah. <laughs> and why don't we get there together? In the 2000 in 16 presidential election. One of the candidates was caught cussing on a bus, accused of touching, kissing, and many other things. Matter of fact, this is the season we learned words like misogynist, xenophobia, anti-Semitic. This is the time we learned words like this. But there's something that I learned that becomes very valuable for the body of Christ. I learned this. The 
and many friends of mine, and they said this to me. Don't worry about the person. Let's just vote for the platform. And I said to myself, you mean to tell me you can look over all of that for the platform? And I said to myself, I said, so, Pastor, if Democrats can get together, Republicans can get together, if somebody can organize a women's march and millions of ladies can get together, I said, when, when will the body of Christ ever understand that if everybody else is rallying behind their candidate and their cause and they don't even know if what they're getting is tested and proven or not. If what we're rallying behind has already died and got up from the dead and he's the real deal, what would happen if we all got together behind the one we believe in and decide that this is going to be the year? And we stand together and we're unified. So the Apostle Paul, by the time he gets to chapter 4 in Ephesians, he uses a stronger word. He tells them, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace in the easy-to-read version. He says to them, I want you to fight for it. Do whatever necessary. Go out of your way. Be joined together with peace through the Spirit. Do all you can to continue as you are, letting peace hold you together. Why? Because we're powerful when we're together. And the enemy knows this. Satan knows this. So what does he seek to do? Divide and conquer. It works just like this. You notice a sister over there has got a sweater on just like yours. And you all bound in your spirit. You can't believe she wearing, hey, your sweater. Don't you know when you go to Dillard's, they made more. Not a, now, if you want to be original, then you need to get you a pattern in the sewing machine. But if you got it from the store, anybody could wear it. And the enemy will use anything like this to keep us divided. But come on, real life. But we're going to kill that spirit today. We're going to break that spirit today. We're going to fight for unity. So the spirit of God can can rest on us and we can see corporate elevation and we can see corporate expansion and we can see capacity and we can see territory taken for the glory of God. So let me close with this. I want you to say to someone, God has placed the peace of your destiny in someone else. Find somebody else and tell them, God has placed some of your victory in someone else. Now let me tell you what I'm saying. As gifted and as smart and as talented and as bad as you are, you will not get there. Talk to me somebody. And that's why this ain't in my notes, but I'm going to throw a in. That's why you got to be very careful how you treat people. You don't know. You better be very careful with your deep self. I might just be the guy's secretary that you need a meeting with. 
And you got to be very careful how you size people up. You don't know who is who. You don't know what people can do. You better be very careful. Everybody ain't driving it or wearing it or wearing it on their finger. You can't tell who I am by what I drive and what I wear. Be careful. Don't look over me because I may have the seed y'all need while you trying to call up all the people with the cars. You looking for somebody to sew in. You, you want the people that got Mercedes and got BMW. You better call Volkswagen up to the table. You better call Dodge up here. Be very careful how you size me up. Don't try to look at my clothes. I may not wear Ralph Lauren, but I might be all right. And you may have Ralph Lauren and be broke. Y'all ain't helping me somebody. I found out that you can go to Saks Fifth Avenue. I can go right to Target with my anointed self. I can walk out and be just as bad as you. You better help me up in here today. It ain't what you got on, because the clothes don't make me. I make the clothes. I'm anointed in anything. It don't matter what I wear. Whatever I wear looks good. So be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Now, here, now here, here I am sitting by you, and you skip 10 rows over trying to get somebody to tutor your child. See, everybody don't broadcast what they do. You don't know who no calculus. Smart ain't a look. You can't look and tell who knows that. So you got to be careful. So what are, what are we learning and what are we going to close with? God has placed what? A piece of your destiny. As good as a parent as I tried to be, I thank God for some of the teachers that have helped me. I remember a time when counselors were telling me about my son. I never forget what his middle school counselor said. Y'all need to find a special high school. Because this kid will never function in the regular high school. This lady right here can tell you the times we've called her and said, this is where we are. We pastors, we're not education specialists. We don't know what to do. This is what they're telling us. Yeah. You see, your destiny is in other people. Yes, it is. My son told me last year when he graduated from a school with 1,600 kids in it. <laughs> he, he said, Daddy, you think we should go back to the middle school? <laughs> he said, and, and you think I should show her that I got an honor in my graduation too? You need to high five a few people and tell them, God has placed pieces of your destiny in somebody else. Don't ever tell me what the Lord. I need to stop while we can shout for about 30 seconds. Don't ever tell me what my God. Tell me what God won't do. 
I'll show you pictures of us standing there together. You understand what I'm saying? So there are people that have blessings for you if you learn how to work together. So I want to I wanna close with this little conversation. And I'll tell you, Pastor, there's, there's, there's much about this conversation that puzzles me. Because you already know, like many of you, God called Moses for a very special task. He was going to be the deliverer. He was going to bring Israel out of bondage. He was going to be the guy that go and confronts Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out, bring the nation out. The thing about it is, Moses had a weakness. And I won't read all the scriptures because I feel like y'all probably know this anyhow. One of the things that happened is, uh, you know, Moses had killed a man. He wasn't totally all that good. He wouldn't really feel like he qualified for it. There's some Moses in here too. But, but, but God, you know, he was just walking in the backside of the desert, and God showed him a bush that was burning, and bushes burn all the time, but this one wasn't burning out. And Moses was like, nah, this is something, this is something here. Turned aside, then a voice came out the bush. And it was God. And that's how we think God voice sounds. I don't know why. I don't know why we think God, God sounds like that. But he said, Moses, take your shoes off, man. You're standing on holy ground. You, you are standing in a place of expansion. You're, you're standing in a place of transformation. Your, your life is about to be transformed. It'll never be the same for you after this moment. So mark it by removing your shoes. And God speaks to him. And Moses is enjoying the conversation. But the conversation shifts. See, a lot of time we think real life that what God wants to do with us centers around our religious experiences of a bush burning and a fire and hearing voices. And then after that, we're ready to go home. And every Sunday, we want to come right back to that burning bush where there's a fire. And we want to do that for 18 years, 16 years. But God says, no, I'm just letting you experience the fire and the voice for what I want you to go do. So he tells Moses, you're my guy. I'm sending you to Egypt, follow me now, and I am giving you the job of being the liberator. I will use you to speak to Pharaoh and set my people free. Moses says, but, but, but God, it's one problem with that. I can't talk. And I want to ask you, because maybe you can answer better than I can. Why would God give a speaking part to someone who's weak in that area? And then, then, then God and Moses, they start going through stuff, and God is like, I thought the bush would have taught you who I am. I tell you what, what's in your hand? He said, the rod, throw it out. The rod started crawling. He said, pick it up, Moses. I, I, I'm black. Uh -uh. 
miracle number one, Deacon King. God says, real life, what's in your hand, if you put it down, I'll scare you with it. You don't even know what you got. I'll make you afraid of what you already got. I will take your life and blow your mind. Throw it down. Watch me now. Moses threw it down and was scared to pick it up. And then God says, that's not all. He said, take your hand. Put it in your chest. He put it in there. Take it out. Leprosy. He said, put it there again. Put it in. Take it out. It was healed. God said, don't you know I can do anything? I'm the healer, Moses. I can do whatever I want to do. Whenever Dow Cody told us that, he does what he wants to do. He's sovereign. When he wants to do it, he can bless who he wants to bless. When he wants to bless him, he don't need a co-signer. He don't need the president. God can give an executive order. Somebody give him a praise. God can do it. But Moses was a little different from us because he was like, all of that burning bush, rod turning into a serpent, and leprous stuff, all that stuff good. But I read the verse to you. He said, but God, there's only one problem. I couldn't talk before you did all that. I read it differently. He, he, you got to read it. He says, before you spoke to me, I asked him. I still have a weakness. Could I ask the question? Could it be that God has allowed me to have a weakness because there's going to be a strength I find in another? Could it be this year that my prayer might should be, instead of God, do it in me, fix it, teach me how to do it, that maybe God wants me to partner with someone and share my story with them? Could it be that God wants to humble me? I gave you my story about my son and what they told us and the medicine they told us we would need and what they said he would never do. Could it be that God was trying to create a moment for my wife and I to open up a little bit and put our pride aside and say, hey, Les, here's where we are. Could it be, maybe, perhaps our parents were wrong when they said everything that happens in the house. Can I preach about it? Could it be that could it be that I was okay at 20 and 30, but at 40, I need to speak about this abuse I went through? Could it be I need to tell somebody about when the uncle took me on the trip? Could, could it be that I'm ready to talk about it because they told me to just don't talk about it. Hide from it and it'll go away. They've laid me at altars and they put me on floors and they put oil on me. But could it be that I really need to talk to somebody and say, look, this is why I can't function in a relationship. This happened to me. And I believe God is trying to teach us through Moses that we need to talk about our weaknesses. Amen. He says, God, I am not eloquent. Listen, he says, God, I'm slow to speak. I'm of a slow speech. God 
looks back at him, say, you're in the right place because for this job, eloquence, speech linguistic skills, and all the other stuff that man told you you need is not required. I'm not looking for ability. Somebody clap your hands. Man looks at the outer appearance. Man looks at how you speak and how you pronounce and how professional you are. But God looks at the heart. Can I tell y'all something? I'm not where I am in ministry because I'm that smart. Barely. I barely got out of high school. I used to be ashamed about this stuff. I failed ninth grade. They gave me a mercy promotion to 10th. By the time I was in 10th grade, they were like, sorry. Now, you got to understand something. I'm, I'm the first one in my family, the youngest child, and the first one to need an extra year for high school. Three brothers that flew through school, geniuses, bright, smart, here I am. And be careful, parents. Don't ever compare your kids. Because what, what doesn't help a child is when you say, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. Your brothers flew through, but... I'm not, I'm not a math guy. I'm not that smart. I don't really know that much about anything. But I'm a worshiper. And, I, and I've seen a bush. And I've been in the presence of God. And it is the presence in the bush and the experience and the calling that, val that validates me. So we hear your pastor talk about what God's done now in ministry. It ain't because of me. It's because of God, and it's because of something else. It's because that this year, 2017, is the year of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. I'm not talking to the people. I'm going to stop. I'm not talking to the people that flew through school and you always got it right. You, I'm talking to the people that know what it is to struggle and you barely made it. Y'all better hear what I'm saying. You don't hear what I'm saying? When I was getting ready to graduate from high school in 1985, all my brothers and sisters were coming because this was a big event in our family. I had a sister in Nuremberg, Germany. She was on a plane headed this way, Pastor Taylor, and she don't know why she was headed this way from Nuremberg, Germany. I was praying and begging my health teacher not to fuck me because I played the whole 12th, the second 12th grade year and I was about to fail health and safety messing around, being a class clown, being a bootleg preacher and a comedian in the school. I was praying, God, don't let her come all the way from Germany and I don't graduate. And by the grace of God, guess what happened? I graduated. I walked across the stage. Don't you tell me what, what God can do. So, so Moses says, God, here's the message real life. Moses said, God, I cannot talk. 
I'm not qualified for this job. Portia, you play softly for me. I'm done. I don't know what else. But I just feel like when the cutoff comes, it's here. But I have a question for you. He says, God, I'm not that sharp. Anybody else felt that way? Yeah. Come on, there's, there's, there's healing. There's healing today. Yeah. Be, be, be honest with me. Yeah. I mean, you love to hear pastor get up and talk about so-and-so just got their master's degree. So-and-so just got their doctorate. You, you, you don't even think it's a culture where you can tell people, I'm, I'm, I'm in GED classes. We got to be together. So Moses said, God, you, you, you got the wrong guy. I can't even talk. And if I was writing the Bible, the next verse would have read like this. And God takes his hand. And he touches Moses' mouth. Moses' stuttering stops. And he became a man of perfect speech. That ain't what happened. And I, I wrestled with this thing. I've been thinking about this thing for a couple of months now. And I'm like, you, you, you got the bush burning. You turned the, the, the man rod into a serpent. You heal the leprosy in his hand. Why didn't you heal his mouth? You know why? Because together. And I, and I know this shocks you because we tell about, oh, child, God, here he'll fix it. He knew it. He came, but he didn't. In other words, he says, yeah, and guess what? You're going to be stunning when you go there, too. In other words, I'm not going to fix it. Now, you got to deal with the reality of everything, and you may not get fixed and healed. Some of you, you might need to partner with somebody. I know some people, saved or not, they ain't driving across the Tamarish Bridge or whatever it's called. Got laid in our church, key in, one of our key intercessors. We were going to a funeral in Carolina. Key, I mean, this woman has prayed us through so much. And we're riding and getting ready to go to Carolina across the bridge and she stops and pulls over at the foot of the bridge and the devil is like somebody else got to drive this car and I'm like you a prayer warrior you my intercessor she's like I might be your intercessor prayer warrior but I ain't driving across that bridge now won't you touch a couple people and tell them everybody got a weakness and you know why we don't get healed because church teaches us how to lie we come in here and we mind ministry every Sunday. Nobody can't see our face. Because we want people to think we're good at everything, but that ain't true. There's some good at health. Others are good at finances. Others are good with academics. Others are good with the Bible. Others are good with parenting. Others are good with medical stuff. Others are good with designing. Others are good with architect engineering stuff. Others are good with music. Don't you see what I'm saying? Real life, God has called you to be a part of a body. 
So watch what God, watch how God fixes this. He's like, Moses, number one, your mouth not getting healed. Yeah, you're right. You were studying before the bush. You used to studying after the bush. You're going to be studying when you go and do what I told you to do. But God says something to him that really gets me. Don't you have a brother? His name is Aaron. He is a man of great speech. Now watch this. He says, you're still a leader, Moses. You don't have to relinquish your leadership. But I need you to operate in partner, partnership. He says, when I tell you something, don't you try to say it because you can't talk. Amen. And all of the Bible, since that time, the only thing God ever told Moses to say is two words, I am. Yes. That's your longest sentence I want you to say. I am. Anything longer than that, it's problematic for you. All I want you to do is say, I am. If I ever give you more than two words, tell Aaron. God says, so when I tell you something, I want you to, 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 to Aaron. Aaron is, Aaron's your brother. He'll listen to all of that. Aaron will get him some medicine or whatever he needs or take him get high, whatever, and he'll listen to all of that. Nobody else wants to hear all of that babbling. So when I give you a word, don't you, now watch this. And I'm going to close this because this happened for me. We were, we were buying this building when we were buying. And I was trying to negotiate with the owner. I was writing my little emails and I was doing my little stuff. And everything I said, he said, No. Then he finally just really got mad and said, don't email me no more. I'm done talking to you about it. So I, I have an attorney, smart guy. I said, listen, guy, this is where I am. He's like, oh, I got this. And I noticed something. Everything he asked the guy for, the guy said, sure. <laughs> and it got so bad that you know, the guy told me, you got to close it October 15th. I'll never let you have until December. The attorney wrote one email. He responded. He said, December 15th is fine. I said, well, let this the devil here. There is a language. And God sometimes wants you to partner with someone else. And together, God's going to give you the victory. I want to make a word. I want to give a word. This year, your Aaron is on the way. You don't have to understand. Everybody clap for that. Clap for that. Your Aaron. Clap for that. Your Aaron. I declare real life will be a combination of Moses and Aaron this year. Partnership, strengths, weaknesses, things you're good at, things I'm not that good at. God's going to use us together. We're going to love each other. We're going to cover each other. We're going to live each other, and we're going to get there together. And God is going to give us the victory. God says to Moses, your brother Aaron's on the way. And when he comes, he's going to be glad to see you. What I want you to do, Moses, when you get down there to Pharaoh, 
When I give you a word, I want you to give it to Aaron. And Aaron is going to be your spokesman. We all have limitations in our life. How many of you been there where it feel like you hit a ceiling? Aaron will help you get to the next level. And together, we're going to see a powerful demonstration of the Spirit of God. I want you to stand and join hands with somebody together. And I'm going to say a prayer that God would release this teamwork anointing. Who's ever hand you have before I pray? I want you to either whisper or speak out loud or pray for their life. Let me tell you why, church family. I hit some stuff today. Don't respond to this, but some people are like they are for a reason. And if we could get them healed, you see a better them. Some people have packed so much stuff down in there, you have no idea what they've gone through. And some people grew up in the household where their parents told them, don't say nothing to nobody, don't talk to nobody, deal with it, hush. We had a lady come to our church. And I'm sorry, y'all, I'm talking about grown people stuff now. She's a college professor now. When she was a teenager, she got pregnant. Her mom said it would be an embarrassment to the family. Put her on a bus. Took her five hours out of town. You know what happened. You know what they did. Took her to a clinic. Got her back on the bus, bringing her back home. So don't you ever tell anybody about this. Here she is, 40 years old and a college professor. But her life is broken down. Because she was told, don't you ever talk about that. And I've come to release you today. If Moses can talk to God about his stuttering, I can talk to God about my pain. Because my pain keeps me from being a team member. My pain keeps me from being healthy in relationships. My pain keeps me from being on a real life team successfully because every time somebody tries to love me and help me, I stop backing up because I haven't learned how to work through my pain. So God wants to heal in you so you can be free. Who's ever hand you have? You don't need any details. Say a prayer for them right now. Ask God to touch them, bless them, help them, keep them. Heal them, free them of their pain. Set them free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Come on. We don't have to hide now. We're in here. Father, we call out to you. Can you get this?
Death could not hold you down. You are the risen King. Seated in majesty. Let me, let me tell you this last little thing while you're holding hands. Everybody in this church needs to know that you are special. God loves you. If you're a part of this family, you fit. There's a tendency to make you feel like you're not as adequate because you don't have as much or you can't do as much or you're not as educated as someone else. I want to tell you today, God wants to affirm you. He wants you to know you're valuable and he loves you. He wants you to know like Moses, you might have a weakness, but he loves you. And the plans he has for you, they are good. They're not evil to bring you into an expected end. Real life, get ready. This year, we're going to get there together. I want you to go around this room on this 16th anniversary. And I want you to make every devil scream and run. I want you to find everybody you can in here. And put your arms around them and tell them you honor them and you bless them and you are valuable. Your life matters. And we are real life. Do that now. You have won it all for me. Death could not hold you. Pastor. Seated in majesty. Tell them together, 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 together. We're going to do it together. We're going to do it together.